book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah. So if you've got your Bibles, just take an opportunity here to move on to that book or open up your app. We are in our series in the Minor Prophets, and we are turning our attention to a new one this morning. And I'm excited what God has to, to speak to us through this book. Now, I am not originally from Minnesota. I didn't grow up here. I grew up in several states uh, and also in Europe as a military kid. And one of the, the locations I lived about eight years was the great state of Texas. I, I do like Texas. Um, there is one thing that is not great about Texas, and that is the tornadoes. Uh, it is in what is called Tornado Alley there through the south. And actually, Texas has ranked the top amount of average amount of tornadoes, 155 tornadoes a year. Just second is Kansas at 96. So it was accustomed to hearing the sirens go off uh, as I lived there. Uh, One year, my dad and I were in the process of building a a small metal shed in the backyard, and we didn't get it secured to the foundation before a storm came through. That thing just tumbled down across the field, and it looked like a piece of aluminum was wrapped around a, a nearby playground. It was that intense. Now, we get tornadoes here in Minnesota as well, but, you know, they're not as often. But there is this, this siren that we all know of. We, we've heard it since we've grown up. This, this warning, this alarm that goes off for us to respond in some way. And we don't hear that alarm, that, that siren, and it's not for us to poise for a party. We don't get excited. It, we are supposed to seek refuge. That, that siren goes off because of this possible pending danger or destruction that is coming. So we would avoid it and we would find safety. We would find shelter and we would live. Now, as we've been reading the, the prophets, you know, we have talked about this maybe picture, this image we get in our mind of the, the scraggly old bearded guy and he's just yelling with the signs, you know, prepare, the end is near. And we've seen this. There is this sense where the the prophets are warning, telling Israel, return to the covenant. Return back to the Lord and find shelter. And when we come upon Zephaniah, we're going to see an echo of that very same thing. Find shelter. Turn to the Lord. Now, a quick timeline. We've come to Zephaniah. And Zephaniah's ministry is just after Nahum. We just wrapped up the book of Nahum, but it is before Habakkuk. Now, it's interesting, if you have your Bibles open, you, you notice there that, that Habakkuk is actually before Zephaniah. What's, what's the case there? Well, um, there are 12 minor prophets in our Old Testament, and Zephaniah concludes nine minor prophets just before Israel or Judah was brought into Babylon captivity. So Babylon was rising in power at this point. Assyria is about to fall. Remember our judgment that was declared in Nahum? And there are three remaining minor prophets following Zephaniah. uh, Zechariah, or Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. And these are all post-exile. So they are when the Jews return back to Judah. And we're going to actually hear about Zechariah very soon in a few weeks. So here we are, Zephaniah sits just before exile, in a way concluding and summarizing all that the prophets have been speaking just before exile. In 1528, 
the reformer Martin Brucer, he wrote this. If anyone wishes all the secret oracles of the prophets to be given in brief compendium or a collection, let him read through this brief Zephaniah. So what we find is the patterns we've seen in the other prophets, the features and the themes, the announcements of God's wrath, the the reason for God's judgment, the coming destruction and a call to repentance, and then these pronouncements or these announcements of hope. We find these all packed into this small, small prophet. We find these themes revisited and some things repeated. Why is this helpful? What could be the purpose of this concluding? Well, we just sang of God's holiness. We know God is holy, and we also know that God is long-suffering, that God is patient, that he's merciful. He isn't brash and knee-jerk. He, he is patiently, again and again, over generation to generation, held out his mercy, held out his desire for his people to return to him. This, this siren through the prophets so that his people would rather than find themselves in the storm of his judgment would be sheltered in his blessing and in forgiveness. It's a reminder that generation, generation, God's, God's covenant and his promises, his word remain and never fail. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of do a quick overview of where we're going in Zephaniah. We're actually going to read the, the entire book this morning. We're going to settle in and just hear the book in its entirety. And we'll connect some, some main themes and ideas. And next week we'll drill down into some maybe some specific things. So who was Zephaniah? Well, if you have your Bibles open, you can look at verse 1. We'll read this again in a moment. But it says, The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushai, the son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Joash, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. Now, we don't know much more about Zephaniah aside from this uh, recording of generations. And he goes back four generations, which is unusual. And it's possible it's because he is the great, great grandson of King Hezekiah. So possible Zephaniah falls in this royal line, which is maybe why he addressed specifically the leaders of Jerusalem in detail and his influence with King Josiah. For he ministered in the days of Josiah, the king of Judah. Now, Josiah came to the throne following horrific evil leadership. His grandfather, Manasseh, and his father, Ammon. And we read in Chronicles that Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David, his father. So God, God through Josiah, brought a sense of revival to to uh, Judah. And Josiah, you see, he started reigning when he was eight years old. And in his eighth year of reign, so he was maybe 16, he began to purge Judah of their high places, tearing down altars. Years later, he finds the book of the law and restores temple worship. And it's possible Zephaniah was used pivotally to help influence Josiah in this reform. Maybe an increased influence because of his royal lineage. But Without knowing for sure, we don't know, but for sure, God used the, the prophet's words to bring an impact upon Judah. 
So if you have your Bibles, you can sort of see there are three parts that we're going to begin to read here. There's an opening prophecy focusing on the, focusing on the day of the Lord, and we're going to unpack that, chapters 1. And then judgment that focuses on not just Judah, but on the nations, beginning in chapter 2, verse 4. And then he, the Lord zeroes in into chapter 3 on Jerusalem. And then there's this promise of future blessing renewal in chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. So let's turn our eyes to the word this morning. And we're going to read, just settle in. It's going to take a little bit of time. But as you read, just allow the Lord to to speak to your heart this morning. Then we will pray. The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushai, the son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Joash, the son of Ammon, the king of Judah, I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea and the rubble with the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal and the son of thy adulterous priests, along with the priests, those who bow down on the roofs, to the host of heavens, those who bow down and swear to the Lord, and yet swear by Milcom or Molech, those who turn back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord or inquire of him. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests, and on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill the master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, I will cry. A cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traitors are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the men who are complacent. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Their goods shall be plundered and their houses laid waste. They, though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near. Near and hastening fast, the sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them. On the day of the wrath of the Lord and the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed for a sudden, for a full and sudden end. He will make all of all the inhabitants of the earth gather together. Yes, gather 
O shameless nation, before the decree takes effect, before the day passes away like chaff, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. For Gaza shall be deserted. And Ashkelon shall become a desolation. Ashdod's people shall be driven out at noon, and Akron shall be uprooted. Woe to you, inhabitants of the seacoast, you nations of the Carathites. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, and I will destroy you until no inhabitant is left, and you, O seacoast, shall be pastures. And with meadows for shepherds and folds for For flocks, the seacoast shall become the possession of the remnant of the house of Judah, on which they shall graze. And in the houses of Ashkelon, they shall lie down at evening. For the Lord their God will be mindful of them and restore their fortunes. I have heard the taunts of Moab and the revilings of the Ammonites, how they have taunted my people and made boasts against their territory. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Moab shall become like Sodom. And the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a land possessed by nettles and salt pits and a waste forever, the remnant of my people shall plunder them and the survivors of my nation shall possess them. This shall be their lot in return for their pride because they taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome against them for he will famish all the gods of the earth and to bow and to him shall bow and to him shall bow down, each in its place, all the nations of the lands. You also, O Cushites, shall be slain by the sword. And he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria. And he will make Nineveh a desolation, a dry waste like the desert. Herds shall lie down in their midst, all kinds of beasts. Even the owl and the hedgehog shall lodge in her capitals. A voice shall hoot in the window. Devastation will be on their threshold, for her cedar work will be laid bare. This is the exultant city that lives securely, that said in her heart, I am and there is no one else. What a desolation she has become, a lair for wild beasts. Everyone who passes by her hisses and shakes his fists. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled the oppressing city. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till the morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn... He does not fail, but the unjust knows no shame. I have cut off nations. Their battlements are in ruins. I have laid waste their secrets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have been made desolate without a man, without an inhabitant. I said, surely you will fear me. You will accept correction. Then your dwelling would not be cut off according to all that I've appointed you. But all the more, they were eager to make all their deeds corrupt. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord. For that day when I rise up to seize the prey, for my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation 
all my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. For at that time, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him in one accord. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed one, shall bring my offering. On that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exultant ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Those who are left in Israel, they shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue, for they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst You shall never again fear evil. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in at that time when I gather you together. For I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we gather as your covenant people this morning to hear from you. Lord, thank you that we could just slow down and hear you. This is your word. These are, these are heavy words that come from you, Lord, but words that are not without hope. And so as you continue to speak to us through your word today, Lord, would you allow your spirit to come? Like give us eyes to see, ears to hear what your spirit is saying today. Amen. Amen. How about that for a Valentine message? Well, here we are, Zephaniah. There's a lot of heavy words pronounced through this book. If there's one verse to help capture a focal point in Zephaniah, you could see this in verse 7 in chapter 1. Be silent or listen before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. You probably heard that refrain, that repetition, day of the Lord or that day. So what is that day? The day of the Lord is is the day 
a reckoning. It is, it is the ultimate day when God, the holy creator and judge, will punish sin and he will, on that day, restore and renew his world. There are really two sides to one coin in this great day, a great day of judgment and punishment and a great day of blessing and renewal. And this day calls for silence. It calls for awe. It calls for, calls for reverence. It is divine judgment coming from Yahweh, the supreme king, the divine warrior upon all evil. And when we read the prophets, we're going to kind of take a little teaching aside here. We, we, we need to keep in mind as they are seeing and as they are pronouncing and speaking there, there are different ways the things that they saw and that they, they see begin to unfold in history. It's helpful to think about it as a near and far fulfillment, what one commentator called prophetic horizons. So think of it as a, as a mountain range. You're out hiking, you come upon this mountain, and it seems pretty large. And as you sort of begin to climb this mountain, you see there's a little bit of peak of a range behind that. As you get crest over that, you realize there is a bigger mountain on the other side of that. And you get to the next one and you see something else unfold that's even larger beyond that. And so as the prophet saw, like Zephaniah, he's seeing that there's something soon, an imminent coming to Zephaniah and to Israel. But there's also something that he's seeing that he's speaking to that's far from Zephaniah and Israel, but is an already reality that comes to us as Christians. He's speaking and seeing to something that will unfold in the New Testament. And even further, there's something that Zephaniah in Israel is seeing that is a not yet that we have yet to experience. So regarding the day of the Lord, the prophet sees and speaks and sees, he sees Babylon coming and foretells of a day of judgment that is soon there in their history, and yet there is something else going on, another bigger day. And this connects to Jesus, his first advent, his first coming, and the judgment that would come upon him for the sins of his people on the cross. And beyond that, there is yet another mountain, another horizon of Christ's second coming, his second advent, a, finer, a final, fuller day of judgment that would come and God's cosmic renewal. And so within scripture are embedded all these many days of the Lord that anticipate or they clarify what is to come. And so God through Zephaniah speaks about this day of the Lord, a day of the Lord where nothing is going to be untouched. It's going to affect all creation. Look at chapter one. We see it. It is going to sweep away everything from the face of the earth. Sweep away men, animals, birds, fish of the sea. And we, we sort of feel a, maybe a reference to, to Noah and the flood, complete devastation. And there's a reality that, that Babylon will invade Judah and this will be destruction. But there, this, is, this is the entire world, all of creation, actually worse than the flood because even then, the fish were spared here. Not even the fish survive. It's almost like a reversal of Genesis 1 and 2. The holiness of God, judgment, undoing, cataclysmic destruction is coming. 
And why would this come? Look at verse 17 in chapter 1. I will bring distress on mankind so that they, sh- they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Sin brings death and judgment. And we see the specific ways that Judah and Israel have sinned, echoed from other prophets we've read. There's this this spiritual and religious sin present in the people. We see in chapter 1 this gross integration of, of Yahweh worship and pagan worship. They're on the rooftops worshiping the stars, and then they're swearing by Molech, the god of the Ammonites, who wanted child sacrifice. And at the same time, they're also swearing to Yahweh. And they're clothed in foreign clothes, foreign attire. This, this picture of the surrounding nations, there's this intertwining integration of pagan worship and the Lord. And this is, this is Israel's constant issue, forsaking the Lord for idols, for what they, they thought was better, what they thought would bring expediency or help. It was pragmatism at times. If it worked, then we're going to do it. We're going to integrate it imitating other nations. An example is their ongoing Baal worship, a Canaanite god. And sometimes this reference to Baal worship was just a summary of a statement to all of the idolatry that was taking place. Listen to this summary of Baal worship. Baal was the god of productivity. His function in Canaanite religion was to make land, animals, and humans fertile. Baal was another name for gross national product. And whenever people see banks, bank balances, prosperity, a sound economy, productivity, and mounting exports as the essence of security, Baal is still worshipped. Baal was also the god of religious excitement and sexual free-for-all. Human sexual acts were publicly offered to him to prompt him to perform his work of fertilization. No wonder his officiants were called the frenzied ones. Wherever excitement in religion becomes an end in itself, and wherever the cult of what helps replaces joy in what's true, Baal is worshipped. Sometimes we think of this, these Old Testament idols in this sort of mysterious, like freaky, we, like what was going on? This seems pretty normal to me. This is a, a reality to what we are prone to as well. Security found in the wrong things of what they could give us. Possessions, sex, money, a religious excitement to make their land a certain way by whatever means was necessary to get to their end, rather than looking to the Lord in what was true. Our, our hearts are prone to the same, same idolatry, church. Frenzied ones, busy hearts, ruled by things that can bring us comfort, wealth, some sort of advantage with political allegiances. Frenzied, busy hearts. So they had frenzied heart, but they also had apathetic hearts. We see in chapter 1, verse 12, this deep spiritual complacency and indifference. I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. An indifference to God. And we hear again this, 
this condemnation for the religious leaders. They're self-seeking, their power oppressing. In chapter 3, verse 3, her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. So God is going to pronounce judgment upon Judah, and he, he's pronouncing judgment against all people and all nations for their sins. We saw in Nahum, there was, the bad guys were going to get judgment. And we see here, it's the bad guys and what appears to be the good guys are going to be condemned. Look in your Bibles at chapter 2. Starting at verse 4, we see a list of these surrounding nations. Philistia, chapter 2, verse 4, which is west of Judah. Moab and Ammon, chapter 2, verse 8, which was east. Cush, chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 12, which was south of them. And then we know Assyria, which was north. We see them beginning to be addressed in verse 13. And then we see... God brings it home to Judah in chapter 3. The Lord is positioning this, these quadrants, right? These four directions, north, south, east, and west. All nations, the Lord is saying, in all directions, all of the earth, all the inhabitants, all types of powers, military powers like Philistia or Cush, who seems sort of reasonably small, kind of nobodies, to super mega powers like Assyria. God says that their lot is judgment because of their pride. Chapter 2, verse 10. The Lord accuses them, saying, I am, and there is no one else. Chapter 2, verse 15. I am. Almost as a, a mock to what the Lord would say. I am the Lord. I am. Because of their pride, Assyria will be like a desert Look at verse 14. Herds shall lie down in their midst. All kings of beasts, even the owl and the hedgehog, shall lodge in her capitals. Wild animals just roaming through, through them. The most powerful rulers and cities become the location to film like the next Blue Planet episode. Destroyed. Judgment has come because of their evils. God says, all creation, everyone, every world power will experience the day of the Lord. The day is near and it's hastening fast. The sound of the day is bitter. It's a day of distress, a day of anguish, a day of wrath, of ruin, of devastation. Blood will be poured out like dust, flesh like dung in the fire of God's consuming justice. The day of the Lord. A promise of judgment. So what do we do? What do they do? Well, God beckons them to find shelter. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Gather together. Yes, gather, O shameless nation, before the decrees take place, before the day passes away like chaff, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you the anger of the Lord. Of the Lord. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. Seek righteousness, seek humility. The prophet holds out hope. He, 
He tells them to gather, to humble themselves before this day. Seek the Lord, seek righteousness, seek humility. And what? Perhaps you may be hidden on that day. Perhaps you may be hidden. The sirens of God's warning are setting off and the Lord wants them to find shelter. Hide in me, he says. And this is this has always been the case as God holds out his prophetic word. We see this in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 7. If any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, if that nation concerning which I've spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I have intended to do to it. God is holding out mercy. He's holding out his grace. Well, Judah, under Josiah's leadership, they, there was a turning, but it did not last. They once again returned to their sin and their idolatry. Babylon would come and bring destruction. Yet this message, this message of mercy, of repentance, of come to me to be saved, is a unique Christian message. It is the message of the grace of God given in his word. Alex Motier, again, he says, every other religion says, become righteous, become humble, then perhaps God will accept you. But in the Bible, the only way to flee from God is to flee to him. To flee to him. When we hear of God's mercy and his hope, We're going to unpack more next week in chapter 3. God's promise of judgment is followed by a promise of cleansing, a promise of a renewed city, a a city where there's joy and singing and the outcasts and the lame gather to the Lord, the King, and he sings over them in his love. God's grace and his mercy is held out to those who would come and seek him. God's grace and mercy is held out to us today in the same way for those who would come and seek him. So what should we do on this this imminent day of a Lord that we hear about? It's the same thing. The Lord would say, don't flee from me, flee to me. Flee to me, urgently come to me. Zephaniah did not fully know what this day of the Lord would look like. But we, we see this fully at the cross. Jesus' first coming inaugurated this day of the Lord. This day of the Lord where the, the full burning wrath of God against sin was poured upon his son. The sins of idolatry, the sins of the love of wealth and earthly security and sexual perversion and distorted national pride and sins of complacency and indifference to him. And it is only at this cross, only in Christ Jesus, that we find the one place and assurance that we can be hidden and covered in that day. For those who turn and trust in Christ, you can be assured that that the Lord endured a day of distress for you and me. A day that was a sound of bitterness 
he tasted bitterness instead of us. Where we can then in turn experience joy and blessing and peace with God. Romans 5, 9 tells us, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. But we must repent. You must repent. You must seek the Lord. You see, the day of the Lord is still that not yet reality, that third horizon for all of those who are unrepentant, judgment looms for you. Second Peter tells us this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be, explode, be exposed. The Lord invites you. The Lord invites us to flee to Jesus, to find salvation. I want to encourage you, any young people here, the day of the Lord is coming, and here we find in part of our story this prophetic voice that came to this young Young man, Josiah, who was so young and yet God used him. He responded to the Lord's word. Don't wait till someday to respond to the Lord's word. Don't push that off and say that you have to be older another day. The day of the Lord is coming and the Lord is calling you to seek him now. So have you done that, young person or adult? Seek the Lord today. Find refuge in him, what Jesus has done on the cross to take that judgment for you. For the unrepentant, the day of the Lord will be a disaster. But for those who are hidden in Christ, that day is not a day of fearful judgment. That is a day of glorious joy and peace and hope to be in the presence of the Lord. All condemnation has been done, been dealt with. So seek the Lord today. Seek the Lord today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word today, Lord, that calls us to find refuge in you. Lord, we need, we need to be reminded that the day of the Lord is a real day. It is a future day and it is also a day in the past where, Jesus, you took upon yourself the judgment against all sins and we could find ourselves hidden in Christ or, Lord, we would find ourselves vulnerable and exposed to that day of judgment. Lord, I pray to this morning, if there's anybody here that are even watching and listening online, Lord, that they would respond and they would seek the Lord. They would turn today. Turn and seek the Lord and find their safety and covering in Jesus Christ. And if we're in Christ today, Lord, would you allow us to remember and celebrate the good of being in you this morning? Condemnation taken care of.
You, Jesus, are the one who took and shed your blood so we would not have to. So that we would have perfect peace with our God. Amen.